Okay, today is Daf uh, Yud Aleph. We are three lines down on Yud Testament Aleph. We're in the middle of a discussion about whether or not the Mason, those in heaven, after they've passed, whether or not they're aware or they're completely apathetic about our whereabouts or things that are happening to us here in this world. So the Gemara uh, came out pretty strong yesterday that they really must have some knowledge, although it was originally a dispute between Rebchiv and Rebbe Now the Gemara continues, Amar Rebbe Yitzchak. Kol Anyone who speaks... Badly about someone who's already passed away. It's like they are speaking about a stone. And what what is the point of Rabbi Yitzchak? army. There are those who interpret the statement to Yadi that they don't know. So you can say whatever you want in the sense that they, they they're completely um, they're completely unaware and they don't care whatsoever about it. Some people say that they do know, but they just don't care because they're in the Olam Ha'emes. Why would they care what somebody down here says about them? So again, this, this, these two interpretations reflect the two views. Either they don't know at all, or they do know, but it doesn't bother them what they say. Says the Gemara Ini, is this true? There's one somebody who said something, some disparaging remark about Mar Shmuel after Shmuel had already passed away. Some sort of beam fell and it split open his, his, his skull. So we see that obviously there was a retribution very quickly from heaven for speaking badly about Mar Shmuel. Must be that Marshmul up in heaven had heard the comment, understood the comment, and been, uh, been, been, been not happy about it, and therefore the person was being punished. So the Gemara says, no, Shani Tzorbamir, Abonan, a Torah scholar is different. The Kudshu Baruch Hu Tava Biyakri, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself is Toveya. HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands that we honor them. So meaning the person themselves, Marshmul, may have been unaware. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu understood the comment, HaKadosh Baruch Hu punished. In the Havimim and the Gemara, Hashem went to punish unless Marshmul himself was personally um, Offended by the statement, but in the Gemara's answer, let Marshmul be completely unaffected. He's completely unaware or apathetic. But the bottom line is, is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Toveya that we honor to the So based upon that theme, now the Gemara continues more about the importance of um, speaking nicely about the Someone who speaks literally after the coffin, as someone who's speaking after the death of Very strong words. They go to Gehenim. Shenemar. The Gemara quotes a pasuk here from Tehillim. It says, "Amatem." So we're, we're interpreting that they, they're saying it crooked, but really Rashi explains you have to know the context of the Pasuk. Before it said, that Hashem was doing good things for the good people. That's a reference to Sadiqim. Now it's saying, those who say bad about them, that Hashem will take all their iniquities and bring them to a bad place. Peace on Israel. What does that mean? Even when these people are at rest, meaning they're Bishalom, they're in Ghanedin. Everything's good. Still, the people who speak bad about them, Yolichem Hashem is Poliyav, and Hashem will take all these bad people and throw them to Gehenim. So, very, uh, very strong punishment. Says the Gemara, Tana Devir of Ishmael. Again, the Gemara is continuing the theme of how much we're supposed to believe and respect them in the Chachamim. Let's say you see Tamachacham, and he actually did something wrong. So, what, 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 what is our gut reaction? Oh, the guy's a faker, he's not so good. But no, the next day you should You shouldn't even contemplate that he still has the sin. He has definitely done shuva. Perhaps he has done shuva. So the Gemara says, That's the point. Maybe he did shuva. The point is that we can assume with confidence that he has repented by the next day and you should look at him in the same way. It says the Gemara, that clause only uh, is true by things that are you know, about his body, between him and God, what he did. But with things that he did with other people's money, then you can't, you know, judge him so favorably just because you can assume he did teshuva. There is more that's involved. When it's whatever money, he better return the money right away. Says the Gemara, Amar of Yeshua ben Levi, the same thing. 
based in Minadin al Kavod Harav. So we have a concept of excommunication, of Nidoi. Nidoi. Nidoy is something that, again, it's almost in a sense arbitrary, which Basin is, is able to dish out. They're able to excommunicate people, the Basin, when it was in power. But there were 24 powers, 24 times, if you look at the Mishnayas, that you can find Kavod Harav being the reason for Nidoy. In other words, people who didn't respect the Basin would stand up and excommunicate them. If you look carefully, you can find them all in Mishnayas. So Amalei Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar said, hey, where are all these 24 cases in the Mishnayas? Amalei go out yourself. Review your Mishnahis and you'll find them. He was able to find only three out of the 24. There was a case of someone who was meaning he didn't respect the Takana, the institution of washing one's hand. That is one of the most chief of the Rabbanans that exist in Tiel Sadaim. It goes back all the way. The Gemara tells us the Shlomo HaMelech and different variations of the Takana. But it's one of the most, like the oldest Rabbanans. And it's very easy to be cynical about it if the more you learn about it. And uh, you see the reasons. It's very easy to, you know, to mock the whole Takana. So someone did that. So that's not respecting Tamil Chachamim. That also, obviously, someone is saying something back about Tamil Chacham after his death. That's a fascinating one. Someone, nothing to do with the person. Someone is arrogant or rude towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's also put in Cherem, we find, and that's also in this same theme. Why is it the same thing? So the Mepharshim explained, because what's really the source to respect Tamil HaKadosh The source is that we believe that the HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given more of his Torah, more of his wisdom to them. So a true respect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu will naturally make a bigger respect to a Tamil Chacham. So someone who's rude and arrogant towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, obviously then will display the same thing towards a Tamil Chacham. Now the Gemara clarify fine. So those are the three categories, but where are they actually in the Mishnayas? So I'm a Sapra, we learned in a Mishnah. We have a din that uh, you're not supposed to give a Giyuris or a Meshukhweres, this is a, a, a slave woman who was freed, they don't drink the Sota waters. Or a convert does not drink the Sota waters. What's the reason for this? The reason is because the Pasuk there starts, Rashi says, Dabra al-Bnei Yisrael, and we say Dabra al-Bnei Yisrael means naturally born Jews. No converts, no freed slaves, those are not women who are able to clear their name with drinking the Sota water. So if they're become, you know, suspected and there's Kino and Sira, they just have to get divorced. They don't have the option of drinking. No, Mashkin, it's not true. They're able to drink. They said to, they said to him, There's once a story with a certain woman, who was a Shivcha Meshukharis in Yushalayim, and Shemaya and Aftalion, who were the greatest, uh, greatest of the Dar, they were, they were the greatest Tamil Chachamim, they themselves, you know, orchid, they, they administered the, the drinking for her in Yushalayim. Amalahem, so he said to them, Dugma Ashkua. What does that mean? That like him, they did. What does that mean, like him, they did? What does that mean? Shmaev and Aftalion were Gerim. So he said, very, very not, it's a very not nice thing to say. He basically said that because Shmaev and Aftalion were Gerim, that's why they got the halacha wrong and they gave a Gioras or Meshukhares to drink. But anyone who would have been a real Jew would never have made such a mistake. So that's not a nice thing to say about Shmaev and Aftalion. So what happened? By the way, who is this person? I'm sorry for not saying. Who is this person who said this? His name is Akavya ben Mahala. Kavya ben Mahal was a great Tamachacham, but he said this. He said he was not saying something nice about Shmaya ben Aftalim. Vinidu vames. So they put, excommunicated him. Vinais vinidu, he died in the state of excommunication. Vesaklu basin is Arona. And they even stoned his coffin. They put stones on his coffin to show that. So that's, you know, that's very strong. It's a very strong thing about it. Kavya ben Mahal, how such a thing could be. 
And the Gemara continues with that. Where do we see Zilzo Natil Sadaim? It's not. Amr Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah's response to that Mishnah, that Akavim Mahalo historically was excommunicated for this, he says, Chas Vishalom Shakavim Mahalo Nisnat. No way such a thing ever happened. Can't be. Why can't it be? Shein Azor Nanalis, I'll call other Israel, the Chachm of Tarbi or Shamam Kirkavim Mahalo. On Erev Pesach, there were millions of Jews that, were, that the Gemara tells us that were inside of the Azar. That's the description of the Gemara if you look carefully at the numbers. Mamish, millions of Jews. And of all those millions, the greatest man in Yerushalayim, in Chachma, in Tahira, the best Jew out there was Akave ben Mahalala. Akave ben lived during the Second Temple. At any rate, Akave ben Mahalala, if he's the greatest of his generation, there's no possible way he would have said such a thing about Shmaya ben Aftalion, and there's no way that he would have ever been excommunicated. It can't be, you got your facts wrong. Ella, it's me, Nadu, where, did, where was the mistake? Man, he became really a different person. As Allah ben Chanoch, and the reason why he was excommunicated was Shepik Bik ben because he, he mocked, he was cynical about. Um, when this died, they placed a big stone over his coffin. That the law is anyone who died, who was excommunicated, and then died in the state of excommunication. Based in Soklin Esarona, they place a stone there to show as if, you know, it's not enough that he was excommunicated. He literally would, would, would want to kill him, literally with stoning. And it's a symbolic thing that they show that by placing the stone over his coffin. So those are the first two illustrations between the two opinions about what happened. Either Akavim Mahalo was excommunicated for saying something bad about Shmaya of Naftalion, or this other person, Allah ben Chanoch, was excommunicated for mocking Nitila Sudai. What is the third one? Where do we see that someone who is like arrogant, bold, too brazen to Hashem? So the context of the story is in Gemara and Tainus, it didn't rain Choni Hamago in a famous story by drawing the circle around him. And he says, I'm not moving, not budging from the circle until HaKadosh Baruch until you answer me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered him and it started raining. But it didn't rain the way he really wanted it. So he said, no, that's not the rain I asked for, Hashem. He says, hey. And then it rained again in a different thing. He said, no, that's not. Until finally, after three, four times in a dialogue back and forth with Hashem, Choni said, okay, Hashem, you've done right. And everything was okay. So if you think about it, it was very brazen. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu Davin, Hashem gives you something, you don't like the way the rain comes, you say, no, I didn't want that one. It's like a little kid. You say this, and he's, a, he's a, like a spoiled brat almost. It's not respecting. It would seem like in the simple dialogue, not respecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Shemet Ben Shetach sent to Choni Amago the following message. Sorech Atal is Nados. The way you just spoke to Hashem, really you deserve to be excommunicated. Not for the fact that you were Choni. He goes, Rani I would have excommunicated you. Why didn't I? What should I do? You do speak so brazenly in front of Hashem. But Hashem still responds with love and does whatever you ask for. It's like a spoiled brat. He comes to the kid and the kid, the, the kid comes to the father and says this and that. But the dad has so much love for the kid. He loves him so much. He just gives him whatever he wants. That's exactly your relationship with Hashem. That's what the Pasuk says. So it's a fascinating thing. We quote this Pasuk that as this idea that sometimes there's a Musuk of us being so brazen and rude and arrogant. Almost But HaKadosh Baruch Hu still showers us with love. But what's the takeaway from the story? That had it been anyone else besides Koni Hamagel, then it would have, they would have been excommunicated. So we don't see practically someone who's excommunicated there. But we see the theme. The theme is that Megis Dato Klape Mala, speaking that brazenly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is, does warrant uh, excommunication. So those are the three. 
Says the Gemara of Asu Leika, you can't think of a fourth one. And I'm so excited by this Gemara because of the skula that it's found for Parshas Va'ir. It's Mamma's an amazing skula. Look at this. Heika the Tanu Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef taught, Todos Ishromi Hinegis Bene Sarla Achilin Gidim Mukulasim Belelip Sachim. After the base of Mikdash was destroyed, there was a man named Todos Ishromi. Todos Ishromi, it seems like, was a half Jewish person. It's unclear if he was fully Jewish. But he instituted a custom that Jews should eat roasted meat on the night of Pesach to commemorate the carbon Pesach, to remember that there once was a carbon of roasted meat on the night of Pesach. A beautiful minnow. Let's eat Roasted meat. Shalach le shema machatah, the same shema machatah sends him. Omole todos atov, not for the fact that you're todos. We'll see what that means in a second. Because Rani Allah Nidoy, I would excommunicate you. Sha'atamachis al kachim bachutz. It's bad what you're doing because people are going to think it's the real thing. People are going to think it's kachim. People will think that even though you don't have a base of mikdash, all is now lost. You can still bring a carbon and they'll do it. And that's really kachim achutz. It's totally prohibited to do such a thing. So actually, the rabbis advocated for a different custom, which is the custom that most of us follow that we dafka do not eat any roasted meat. Mom is the exact opposite of todos. We're both trying to accomplish the same thing. Remember the carbon pesach. You can remember in two ways. Todos is saying dafka eat the roasted meat. The rabbis are saying wrong approach here. Dafka the opposite. Don't give people the impression that that's the carbon pesach. I have roasted meat at your table that you don't eat. So why do I think this Gemara is so amazing? Because the Gemara in Psachim analyzes, what does it mean if not for the fact that you're todos? So there in the Gemara in Psachim has two more words. Gavra Rabba Ata, you're a great man. So if not for the fact that you're a great man, I'll put you in Chayim. So the Gemara says, what does it mean he's a great man? Does it mean he was a great man because he was powerful, politically aligned with Rome, so they were scared? Or does it mean Gavra Rabba that he was a great, you know, a great Jew, a great respectable Tamil Chacham, and they respected him too much to put him in Chem? That's the suffix of the Gemara Psachim. Says the Gemara Toshma that it means Gavra Rabba that he was a great Jew because Todos Ishromi Darshan. Where did Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah get their inspiration to jump into the fire and not be scared? They got the inspiration from the frogs because the frogs were able to do it. So Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah said they could. Says the Gemara, if Todos Ishromi said that, then it must mean Gavra Rabba. The meaning why they didn't put him in Cherem is because he was a really special person, not that he was just politically aligned. A very puzzling Gemara, a very deep Gemara. Maybe we'll talk about it more, but the bottom line is, how amazing is it that you learn about this guy, told us Romi not going in Chayim. The reason was, and we know he's in Puna Chayim, he's a Gavar Rabban. Gavar Rabban means because of what he darshaned about Makas Fardeh. Okay, says the Gemara. What's us? So why didn't we list this, this one? This is a fourth instance of excommunication. Says the Gemara, because we were talking about things found in the Mishnayis. That's a Brisa. So that's why it's not part of the list. Says, says the Gemara, Masis and Leika, there's no more in the Mishnah of Aika, there's another one. So here we have an earthenware uh, tanner, an earthenware oven that became Tamit. So the law is, in order to purge it of its tumma, you can't put Klicharis in the mikvah, you have to break the Kli. So they broke the Kli, they cut it like in different pieces, but then they repaired it by placing sand in between the pieces, and the sand functioned like a, a holder. Uh, kind of like a glue between all the pieces of the earthenware oven. So the question is, so the oven was kind of broken, but then it was kind of repaired very quickly. So is that take away the tumma from the oven or not? So Rabbi Lazar Matar, Rabbi Lazar says, yeah, because sand isn't really such a good holder. So the, the oven's considered broken. The chacham say no. Since bottom line is the pieces are all there and there's something holding them together, then it's still the same oven. So the tumma is still there. This is the tanner of the, like a, like, is like a type of snake. So the Gemara says, what do you mean the, like a snake oven? The rabbis like literally like they, they surrounded uh, this 
Rabbi Eliezer, with tons of proofs, just like a snake, like wraps around. They totally encircled him, trapped him, and told him all of these proofs that he was wrong. But what's the halacha? He refused to admit that he was wrong because he felt that the halacha was otherwise. But Tanya, always are you going to be called to Rabbi Eliezer? They brought all the taharas that Rabbi Eliezer said because think about how many ramifications. Rabbi Eliezer is going to have all these things he's saying in Tsar where the rabbis, where the rabbis feel it's Tameh. So all the taharas Rabbi Eliezer was matar, sar from Lafanov. They burned all of his taharas in front of him. Because he still refused to admit it, they excommunicated the great Rabbi Eliezer. This is Rabbi Eliezer of the Mishnahites. So what do we see? Another excommunication. So the Gemara says, the reason we didn't count them on, the Nidoi wasn't in the Mishnah. It was an add-on from the Brizer that they put in the Cher. So that's why we didn't list this one because it didn't say explicitly in the Mishnah they excommunicated him. Yes, the scenario was in the Mishnah, the Machlokas, but the fact that he was excommunicated is only taught to us from a Brizer. So bottom line is we only have three instances in the Mishnahites where people are excommunicated. So the Gemara has the obvious question. Where did Rabbi Shulman Levi get 24 in the Mishnahis if we can only find three? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shulman, Madame and Milsa the Milsa, Rabbi Shulman, Madame and Milsa the Milsa. What it means is, could you be Madame and Milsa the Milsa? In other words, wherever he saw, you know, it doesn't, he's saying like this, I saw themes. There are themes in the Mishnah. Let's say someone who refused to admit he was wrong. Rabbi Eliezer. So he was put in Cher. Now I can go and say, wherever I see in another Mishnah that somebody was arguing and refused to accept that he was wrong, probably he was put in Cher. Even if it doesn't say it black and white, it probably happened. Or if I see Zilzul and Atila Sadaim, then I can apply that at the same thing. If I see someone in a different Mishnah mocking something the rabbi said, he was probably put in Cher. So yes, explicitly there are only three Mishnahites that talk about somebody being put in Cher for this. But he was Medal and Muslim Muslim. He compared a matter to another matter and he derived that there are 24 instances that are mentioned in Mishnahites. Says the Gemara Viter. No say Hamita Vichilufan. So we mentioned about the idea of being Pater from Shema right around the time they're carrying out the coffin because because of the fact that people uh, are busy with the mitah. So the Gemara says, We actually try not to schedule the carrying out of the, of the coffin right around the time of Shema. The Rabbi Yosef says this means a half an hour within the end of the Zman. We want people to fulfill the mitzvah. We're not trying to look for conflict. So if you're scheduling it, better not to do it then. But for whatever reason, they, they mess up in the schedule, and that's when they did schedule it, and people will just miss the Shema because they're being busy with the mitzvah of escorting the dead. Says the Gemara, Is this true of our Yosef? Of course, they carried him out right before the end of the time for Shema. For a prominent person like Rav Yosef, we don't wait. If that's when it's supposed to be, then that's when it's supposed to be. There's actually always, even until today, discussion about this, about scheduling funerals the proper time. You're allowed to schedule it for, let's say, you know, at 9 a.m. Is that, is that okay? It's, it seems to be from Riyata against what the Gemara says. So we are talking about people carrying out the body. But what about people who are just sitting, you know, in the funeral home and they're darshaning about the eulogizing about the deceased? So if the deceased is in the room, right, the coffin's there, then they shouldn't read it in the eulogy room. Now, this is interesting. They should, you know, slip out one by one and say Shema outside. Why is that? Because it seems that it's disrespectful to say Shema in the room. Kasha is, we learned yesterday, that it's only Osir to say Shema in front of the maze when you're within four Amas. Unless you're actually watching the body or something like that. So how come today we're learning that in the, you can't be in the eulogy room, you can't be in the chapel when, when, when they're saying it? Why not? So it's a, it's a little bit of a hardest year. Gamaris, maybe there's something about during the eulogy itself that's a little bit more you know, inappropriate. And that's more considered as if you're right in front of the body. So everyone should just slip out one by one. Ain't Right, so there are in one room, but we learned yesterday that in one room, if we learned about an onane, being in one room or not, we learned about a shomer, but we learned about a regular Joe who's around the dead body, the halacha should be, unless he's within four amos mamish, he's not doing any mitzvah, he's not always with a mitzvah, the body. So unless he's in four amos, he could do a mitzvah. 
Yesterday we talked about that we were talking about whether an onin has the restriction or not, but for regular Joe, it just said like in a cemetery, for example, it's only four amos. Right, but in a cemetery is outside. So oh, you mean maybe in one room it's different. Right, I, didn't it's I didn't understand your point. I didn't understand your point. You're saying maybe oh, that was all in a cemetery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand your answer. Very good. You're saying good answer. Maybe within one room it's always awesome. It's as if you're always within one up four amos. Ah, uh, very good. Very good. Says the Gemara, in a most of name, but if the, the dead is not in the room, right, it's like not, you know, they didn't bring the casket into the, into the chapel. So the mourner sits, they sit and say, Kriyashma, the room. But the mourner, who's Pater, right? Why is the mourner Pater? Because he's an owning. So he, he's doming, like he just is silent himself. They can daven Shemona Esrei, they can daven a minion by the eulogy. Obviously, he's not going to die. So he did something else called Sidak Hadin. We still have Sidak Hadin today. So what's the, the text. Omer, he says, Master of the world, I've seen much in front of you. I haven't been paid back even one thousandth of what I deserve. So that's a very interesting thing to say. The guy is openly saying as if I deserve more punishment. That you should still be compassionate to us. So the guy is really opening his mouth that say I deserve more. So Amar Abayi lo mi bayi lenish me'malchi. Not a smart thing to say. To Amar Bishua Malevi v'chintan v'shmei Rabbi Yosi lo olam al yiftach adam piv l'satan. Person should never open up his mouth to the satan. Never say I deserve more bad. For Amar Yosi make rough from where do we see this? They say kamatz ki sedom hayinu. They're saying we were almost like sedom, like we got so bad, we're almost like sedom, and we would have destroyed, completely destroyed. But my highly navi, the navi says right back, right the very next pasuk, shimu dvar Hashem kitzine sedom. So now they're called sedomites. So you say you're almost like Sodom, so then Hashem says you're a stone person. So you got to be careful in what, the way you talk. There's a concept that putting something in speech um, can actually cause harm. So, it's, so Abai is actually recommending that the mourner not say something in such strong terms. Says the Gemara, so after the mace was buried. So now remember, what's the procession? They go out to the street and they line up in rows and then they're going to pass and like try to comfort the mourner and say second brachos. Again, we don't have this practice anymore today. So it says that if they could start and finish, then they do it. If they can't start and finish, then they don't start Shema. So the Gemara says, From our mission, it sounds like only if they could totally finish the Shema should they bother starting. But if they can't finish the Shema, they shouldn't even bother starting. Remember, we have a kasha that says in the Bryce of Kibbutz, after the burial and they're coming back. Even if they could just finish one parak or one pasuk, they should. So meaning even you can't get the whole Shema, but chap the opening pasuk or the first paragraph. Most Rishon prove him here that it's only the first paragraph that's the Raisa. And that's the idea. Yeah, you can't do the whole mitzvah of Shema. But at least start at the first paragraph or the first pasuk. Why not? So the Gemara says, You're right. That's what the Mishnah meant as well. If they can finish at least even one paragraph or even one pasuk before they line up, they should do that. So the Gemara is really changing our impression of the Mishnah. Until now, our impression of the Mishnah means if you could finish the Shema by the time you get to the row, you start. Otherwise, you don't stop. Now the Gemara is switching it that it really means if you could finish at least one paragraph or one pasuk by the time you get to the row, then it is worth it uh, to start. But if not, then you do not. So interesting, yeah, it doesn't seem to distinguish. Even if. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems that even if this man is going to last, but that's the point. The point is that you have this Osik Ba Mitzvah kind of thing going on. So it's better, you're you're Osik Ba Mitzvah, therefore you're supposed to do that. But I'll tell you, it's an interesting thing. It's saying if you're able to finish one Pasuk, you should start. So it's Mashman Rashi. I don't know if they're showing him hack about this. And once you did start the first Pasuk, now you become Osik and Shema, and now you don't have to stop. 
So I write very big irony. If you can't finish one pasuk, then you're just supposed to go straight to the line and do your mitzvah of nicham avelim. And if you end up missing shema, you end up missing shema. But if you could finish one pasuk, then you get engrossed in that mitzvah because then you should start. What do you mean? You could do that. And once you start, then you have to osik by mitzvah the other way. So it's very interesting the way the chicken and the egg comes here. Like which one, the, which osik by mitzvah kicks in first? If you have enough time to get enough of the Shema in, then you become an Osik and Shema. But if you don't, then the Osik by Mitzvah of the Avelus is still in play, and then you don't even start Shema. Okay, says the Gemara, Ondim Bashura, now we're in the rows. So it said the inner row is Pater, the outer row is Chai. So Tanar Rabbanan, Jura, Medis, Pinima, Petura. The inner row means that they're looking directly at the mourner. They're facing him directly. So then they're Pater because they're in the middle, literally, of the Mitzvah of talking. The inner guys always have like the, they have the floor. They're, they're, they're looking at the mourners, so they have it. She inner row, Pinima, the people on the outer circle. So they're kind of like viewing in between, you know, the cracks and the faces. So that's, that, they're, they're Chai. Uh, Rabbi Yudah is a different criteria. It all depends. If you're someone who's coming for the Avel, meaning you know the Avel personally, then you're always Pater. Because no matter where you are, you might jump in. You might start talking. But if, if, if you're coming, you know, just Stam, like you happen to be passing by and you're, you're trying to chap a mitzvah or whatever, but you don't personally know the Avel in any way, then you're, then, then you're Chaya. Because you're not really listening to mitzvah. You, who says you're going to open your mouth? You don't really have to open your mouth at all. It's very interesting. A totally different criteria. Rabbi Yudah is giving Tanakamla splitting inside row versus outside row. Rabbi Yudah is saying, depending on how important it is that you're there, are you someone who's likely to open up their mouth in uh, comforting or not? Okay, so now the Gemara, it's a total tangent, but you'll see why it comes in because we're going to bring a proof from a mourner. The Gemara starts with a fascinating sugya of Kavod Habrios in Halacha. A person is in the, is in, is, is, finds that he has kalayim in something he's wearing. You know, it could even be so extreme that Kronim even tells us, even if like you're wearing a brand new thing and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to get a check for Shadness. I should have. It was something that may have had. What's the din? You could be on the street and it could be very humiliating to take off your shirt. You got to take it off. My timer. I mean, like the Gemara is trying to say like, it's embarrassing. Maybe Hashem can, can, can forego the mitzvah, so to speak, and me not, not doing what I'm supposed to do because of Kavod HaBriyos. No, we have a positive. Whenever there's a matter of desecration of God's name, whenever it's something that it's against, it's a mitzvah of Hashem, there's no respect, there's no cheshbon, there's no etzah, just do it. You got to do it. So Gemara is saying, Now there's a huge machlokas that we shown him about whether this is only bivigdo. Some of you showed him say it's only when you know you're doing the Avera. But if you see your friend wearing shotness and you can tell he's unaware of it, then you don't have to tell him, which is a fascinating thing, even though he's doing a Daraisa. Because he's doing an Avera Bishogeg. Avera Bishogeg is not on the same level. You don't have to tell him. And the Gemara is only when you know you're doing this or you have to do it. Other you him disagree. It's Machlokas between the Rambam and the Rush. And anyway, so the Gemara asks, After the burial, now they're going back. Where are they going? They're going to the mourner's home to start sitting Shiva. They have two ways, and they're supposed to uh, like, uh, accompany the mourner. That's the whole point. He should be with his friends. So there are two ways to get home. Two paths. One path which has Tumah on it. One path which does not. If he goes on the tar path, they escort him on the tar path. Everything's good. But what if the mourner starts going on the Tumah path? And, you know, it can make it make sense. He might be distracted. He may be overcome with his grief. And he starts going on the Tumah path. Everyone is allowed to follow him. He'd be out of respect for the mourner, out of covered up for the mourner, they're allowed to go with him. Even though what's happening, people are becoming Tameh. And who's becoming Tameh? What's the key here? We're assuming even Kohen, which it doesn't say in the text, but the Gemara is assuming that. So am I, Lamim Chachlein, to another Neged Hashem, a Kohen has a lot. It's an issue for a Kohen to become Tameh. And yet a Kohen is allowed to become Tameh, a covered up for the mourner to accompany him home. So what do you mean? You see that covered up is, 
it doesn't have the ability to push away an Avera. So the Gemara says, Take Pras, the Rabbana. We're not talking a path that had a Tumah de Oraisa. We're having a, a, a path that had a Tumah de Rabbana. What's an example? A Besa Pras. Besa Pras means that there were graves that were dug deep, deep in the ground. So by the letter of the law, everything's fine. You can walk. But if it's very deep, it's fine. But then it was plowed, and we're, just, we're concerned that the plow dug up some of the remains, and it scattered them throughout the field, and you may make contact with them. There might be right, literally right underneath your feet, there might be bone fragments when you're walking. So that's really only a dindra because midaraz, you don't have to be concerned for it. So, but since it's only midarabonon, on a durabonon for sure, covered up rios pushes away. So the Gemara is telling us now of no very important variable. The concept that b'malkam sheishchil Hashem, you're not, you're, there's no eitzel covered up rios. That's only when it's a mitzvah da'oraisa. But when it's a mitzvah durabonon, of course a mitzvah durabonon is pushed away because of covered up rios. And how do we see that basic process durabonon? Amar vidamar shmuel menafeichal and basic process v'holit. There's a big leniency. You can just blow on the ground and go. Because again, the only concern is that there's bone fragments that you may make contact with. So as long as you blow and there's, you know, you, you're able to see that, that what your, your feet are touching under the dirt that you're stepping on, there's no bone fragment, you're okay. So obviously we see coolest. Once it's been trampled on by many people, we're also very lenient because we assume that they pushed the bone fragments away. So if those leniencies are given by Beis Pras, clearly Beis Pras is only in Yan that's Midirabonon. Midiraisa, there's no real concern for the bone fragment, it's only Midirabonon. Ah, once it's only Midirabonon, then of course you're able to be lenient the Malcolm Sheh covered uh Habriot. Could you say it's Darabanan and the covet of someone else versus Darabanan and the covet of yourself? Maybe you can mm. Very interesting. Is there a chilik between your own covet of Brios? I you know, I'm not sure. It didn't sound it didn't strike to me that way from the Gemara, because in the opening case it was your covet of Brios on a Daraisa, and now it's Somebody else has covered up Rios on a Darabonon. It sounds like in the Gemara, the Chilik is Daraisa and Darabonon, but I hear the Chilik that you're saying. You're saying maybe in a way someone else's covered up Rios may be more important than yours. I'm not sure. Let's see. Let's maybe we'll keep on seeing the illustration. Says the Gemara, Toshima, let's look at it. We used to jump over coffins to go greet kings. In other words, it's a big, it's a nice thing to go greet kings. We're going to see it's like a mitzvah. And in order to get there, we'd have to jump over, over all coffins. We would do that. Now the Gemara Bechorah says, there are and Tzadok was a kayin. Not only to greet Jewish kings, even non-Jewish kings. Why? What's the value in seeing non-Jewish kings? If he is fortunate, eventually, he'll be able to see when Hashem restores the glory of Jewish kings. He'll be like, ah, I thought I saw a wedding at the Buckingham Palace. No, that's nothing compared to the cover that Hashem has restored to the Jewish kings. So the Gemara is saying there's, a, there's an Indian of being Mechabed kings. There's an Indian of Jewish kings and even non-Jewish kings. So this value, which is the Gemara seems to be categorizing under Kavod Habrios, that's what it seems like the Gemara is defining, going to see kings like Kavod Habrios, which is a very interesting category. Like, that's really the point of it. You know, Kavod Habrios is being like very broad. It's like very broad now. It's like, like shame, humiliation, respect for a mourner, and now going to see a king. And that, the Gemara seems to say, allows a Kohen to become Tameh. We should say you don't do that. The Gemara is assuming you're doing an Isra Daraisa. Says the Gemara, no, could the rabbis like Rabbi Tad to Amar, Rabbi Rabbi Tad, Devar Torah by Torah law, meaning like by the strict letter of the law. As long as there is one division of a, of a tefach between the dead body and the top of the OL, then the OL functions to seal the Tumah. So for example, if you have a coffin and there is a, you have a top layer, as long as there's one tefach between the top of the body and the lid, so the lid now is an OL, and the OL seals. So if somebody were to jump over the coffin, what should the din be? Tar. They're completely tar. 
But if, it's only if if there's not a, an airspace of a tefach, then it doesn't function as an oil. And if there's a concept that the tumah actually breaks through. It's called bokas So we learn that very interesting law that it depends whether he's in an oil. The minimum size in oil is a tefach. Now, most coffins, says the Gemara, usually the way the coffin is made is that the body fits in and there is an airspace of tefach between the body and the lid. So by the letter of the law, Midar Raisa, could a Kohen go jump over a coffin? 100%. Because he could, even though he doesn't know for sure, but he has a rove, majority of coffins are, are an OL. So the Tumah is, con- is, is, is constricted to, to, the, to, the, to the space of the coffins. He could jump over, why not? So Midar Raisa, of course he's doing something's fine. Why are you Midar Bonan, are you not allowed to? The rabbis got involved. And they said, we're not allowed to jump over coffins because of the minority that don't have a halal tefah. So now, ultimately, to jump over a coffin is only an isr that's midirabbanan. Once that's true, mishukvod malachim, because midirabbanan, we are able to say that out of the respect for malachim, the rabbis weren't gozer. So the same thing. Once I get to a dirabbanan, we're able to understand that kavod is fine. Kavod abrios can push away the dirabbanan. It's only on a daraisa, like someone finding kalayim in his shirt, that's where we said kavod abrios is not enough. Says the Gemara Tashima. Let's look at the price of couple. Boom, there you have it. A Kavod Abrios is so great, it pushes away a Losase in the Torah. A Losase in the Torah is clearly a Daraisa. And still, Kavod Abrios pushes it away. Amai, how is that true? Say your rhetoric, right? Your rhetoric is that you can't use any Cheshbonos of Kavod Abrios to push away a Daraisa. So the Gemara answers. This is a Gemara with a lot of raid, a lot of, you know, interesting machlokas uh, Rishonim comes out in the next two lines of Gemara. The Gemara answers like this. The Brisa didn't mean any lav in the Torah. The Brisa meant one specific lav. Which lav? Lo Sasser. Lo Sasser is the lav and Parsha Shoftim. You got to listen to the rabbis. Don't stray from the words of the rabbis. So what is that lav? Now, the rabbis make a law. So it's saying the... <laughs> Galo Abrios is so strong, it pushes away a losase in the Torah. It means the losase that you got to listen to the rabbis. That losase is pushed away from Kavod Abrios. Meaning, the Gemara is saying that, that you're not allowed to do a Darais. You're only allowed to do a Durabonon. I had said losase Shabbat Torah. Yeah, because every Durabonon has a general theme that the Torah says, recognize what the rabbis said. But ultimately, when I'm now violated Durabonon, what am I violating? Am I violating something with the strength of the Daraisa? No, I'm violating a Durabbanan. Yeah, there's a theme, a general theme in the Torah. The Torah says, Alosa say, Los Saucer. You got to listen to the rabbis. But the content, the law itself, the legislation is not a Din Daraisa. The theme to listen to the rabbis is a Din Daraisa. But the legislation itself, the Din, the halacha itself, is, is, is open for leniency because the content is only Durabbanan. So the Brisa didn't mean any Losase. The Brisa meant the one Losase of Los Saucer. So what was the response? They laughed at him. Los Saser is Daraisa. What's the Gemara saying? So the Achronim explained. The Gemara is saying like this. If Hashem said, listen to the rabbis, then when the rabbis say something, now it's Daraisa. And that's Mamish, if you look in the Shorashim, that's really the Ramam's opinion. The Ramam's opinion is that someone who violates a Durabonan is violating a law of Los Saser from the Torah. Los Saser doesn't just say as a theme, listen to rabbis, but if I now practically do it, it's a Durabonan. No, if the rabbis say, you know, you have to make an Erev Chatzeros, if you don't do it, then what's the din? You're doing something wrong with a Torah. So they laughed at this answer. If it says, Kavod Abrius is Docha Los Saser, and it's Docha the Los Saser of Los Saser, so that's a Daraisa. So what's the difference if it's a Los Saser or any other law in the Torah? Los Saser is Daraisa. So if the rabbis say something, you're violating Medina of the Torah when you do it. 
So that Ramban asks on the Rambam, the Ramban says it can't be what you're saying is true because Sveika the Rabban and Lakula. Sveika the Rabban and Lakula. Rabban and Lakula. If you're right, the Rambam, and really the Rambam is coming off of this line in the Gemara, then everything you have here, the Rabban is really the Rice. And then how can we understand how there's a difference between the Rice and the Rabban? So let's see the next line of the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Marav Kahana, Gavra Marmissal de Chichlav. And someone great says something, don't laugh. Kol mili drabonon asmechinu alav de los All words of the rabbis are asmechuhu, are supported by the lava of los saser. Umishum kvod drabonon shoro. Out of respect to, out of respect to Kavod Abrios, the rabbis were lenient. So what did the Gemara answer? So the question is what the Gemara answered. There's basically two ways of learning the Gemara's answer. The Rambam learned that the Gemara is still keeping that every drabonon is a daraisa. It really is. Just because the Torah didn't say outright, explicit, what the content of the law is, it was only atzmechinu. It was just a theme to listen to the rabbis. So even though now I'm violating the Torah, but the rabbis have the right to stick in leniencies. Meaning, whatever the rabbis say, the Torah will say recognize. And when you do it now, it's daraisa. But because the content is darabonon, so the rabbis can say lenient if you have a suffix. The rabbis can say lenient if you have kavod. Now, if you now violate the darabonon, what are you doing? A daraisa. You taka are violating a daraisa. But because the legislation stems from the rabbis, the rabbis can inject all sorts of leniencies that they'd like. Then it goes back to being lo saser. That's the Gemara's answer. That's where the Rambam learned the Gemara's answer. The Rambam learns the Gemara's answer. You made a horrible mistake. Lo saser is the theme to listen to the rabbis. But what the rabbis legislate now is their own world. The Torah says as a theme, listen to rabbis. But if you violate a specific Torah you're not violating an Isser Daraisa. It ultimately is an Isser Daraisa. Because it, 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 the theme is, because now practically it's only an Isser Daraisa. So of course you could be Mekel. So ultimately there's a dispute between, the, a fundamental dispute between Rambam and Ramban, which is really within the Shaklavatari of our Gemara, about the meaning of Lo Sasser. According to the Rambam, the content of the Daraisa itself becomes biblical law. Just there's makam for leniency because the, the Torah first, first the rabbis say the law and then all of that now is incorporated into the din of the Torah. And according to the Ramban, the takeaway from the Gemara is that dine durabonon, the laws themselves do not become Torah laws. A fascinating shock of in our Gemara. Says the Gemara Tashimah, we're talking about Hashavah Savedah. So the Pasuk says you're going to see something and you might be tempted to, to, to hide from it and not return it. So we actually learn those words are extra, v'salam tamehem, that you're going to hide from it, that pa'am sha'atam esalamem. Actually, there are times when you don't have to do ashavas aveda and you can hide your eyes. Upam sha'atam esalamem, but other times you can't. What's the exception? When do you not have to do ashavas aveda? Ha'ketzad, imayakayin v'yisakvaras. If it would require you to be over an avera, the, the lost objects in a, in, a, in, a, in a cemetery and you're a kohen, you don't have to return it. This is the one that we want. Let's say you're an older man and it's beneath your dignity to go retrieve the object and return it. You don't have to bother. Or another thing. Let's say you know, you're in the middle of work and uh, you're being paid by the, by the job you're doing and you would lose a lot, a lot of money if you go return that Shabbos Aveda more than the whole Aveda is worth. Aveda is worth 10 bucks and you would make $40 an hour. You don't have to do it at all. You can hide. There are times you don't have to do a Shabbos Aveda. So we want the middle example. We learn from here, you don't have to do a Shabbos Aveda when it's beneath your dignity. So why? What's the concept? Shabbos Aveda is a mitzvah that's from the Torah. It's not a drop on it, it's Doraisa. And yet, Mishum Kavod Habrios, this idea that it's beneath the Zakin's dignity, he doesn't have to do it. So you clearly, you see that Kavod Habrios is Doche Alosase. Says the Gemara, Yeah, because Hashem wrote Xerus HaKosav. There, there was extra words in the Pesach, that taught us that rule. But that's an exception. But in general, the practice we follow is that you can't. So the Gemara asks the obvious comeback question, but why don't you learn from it? 
Meaning Atam said that exception, and you don't know otherwise not, you're just assuming that, so you should learn. Assume it's like a prototype. The Torah expects us to learn from Hashanah the principle that something that's beneath our dignity, you're allowed to do an Avera. So the Gemara says, no, Isura mimamona loyafina. You can't learn Isur Vahetar from money. Hashanah Saveda is an Indian of money. Money is more lenient. It's just your friend's money. So because it's just a matter of money, there, in that area of halacha, Kavad Abrios pushes away those Isura. But in Yana Isur Vahetar, like wearing Kalimers between you and God, there we don't know that you're lenient. So the Gemara is really, in a sense, conceding that Kavad Abrios does play a role in Daraisas, just it's only going to concede that that's true within the role of money. But within the role of Isur Vahetar, we haven't yet proven it. Says the Gemara, one more proof, Tashimah. So these Pesukim here are talking about all the people, the Nazir, is not allowed to be, be metame for. So it really says he can't be metame for any of his relatives. And then it goes through all of them. So that we make drushes. Why does it have to say all the specific relatives? It says, don't be metame of your relatives. Why does it have to go and then, you know, delineate them one by one? So we make a drasha. Let's say someone's on the way to bring a carbon Pesach, or he's going on the way to give his son a bris. And then suddenly he hears that one of his seven relatives dies. What should he do? He's got two mitzvahs in front of him. Two mitzvahs essay. Two good options. He could go do the mitzvah of carbon Pesach or giving his son a bris milah. Or he could go do the mitzvah of burying a relative, which evidently from the Gemara is also a mitzvah. So there's two mitzvahs to do. Which one should he do? Amr lo. By logic, you know that which one is the right one to do? Carbon Pesach or bris milah. Not go back for his relative. Why? So the Rishonim explained because which mitzvah is greater? The essay sheyesh bokaris is greater than an essay sheyesh bokaris. Burying one's relative is just a stam, a plain essay. But the essay of bringing a carbon pasach is associated with the punishment of kares. Or brismila is associated with the punishment of kares. So the severity, the union of the mitzvah is greater. So by logic, we should assume that you bring the carbon pasach or do brismila for your son and do not fulfill the mitzvah of burying your relative. Okay. So you would say, just like that, halacha is true. So too, if let's say there's a mace mitzvah. What's mace mitzvah? Mace mitzvah is that no one is there to bury the dead. Meaning if I don't do it, it's just going to lay unattended to. So I would say the same halacha, that I should go bring the carbon Pesach and brismila and leave the dead body unattended to that. To tell me not that way, the Torah wrote an extra word, that you're not metame to your sister. To the sister, you're not metame. For a mace mitzvah, you do it. Now, what's the concept? Why is a mace mitzvah different than his own? Well, what's the difference? Must be kavod brios. That's the difference. Mace mitzvah, there's the greatest bizayon to the brios. The fact that a dead body is laying unattended, that's a bizayon. Must be that the principle here is that kavod brios tells you to push away a greater essay. If it's a regular, another regular mitzvah, you do go do the carbon pasach and you don't you know, bury your relative, you let another relative deal with it, even though it would be a mitzvah for you. But in this scenario where it's a mace mitzvah, so you have covered up brios variable, then you go for covered up brios. So clearly, what do we see? Covered up brios is greater than a mitzvah. Am I, and this is a daraisa, bringing carbon pasach is daraisa. So the Gemara says, Shani Yasin Siv Yeah, because it was an extra word in the Torah to teach it to me. But generally, we don't say covered up brios is doch. Says the Gemara, but learn from here. Says the Gemara, There it's different because you're not doing something. Over there, yes, I'm not doing a, yes, I'm nullifying God's word. But how am I nullifying God's word? I'm not bringing a carbon Pesach. The inaction is the nullification. The passivity that I'm doing, I'm not going to bring a carbon Pesach. Oh, I'm not listening to God. Yeah, Kavod Abrios could say, don't go do a mitzvah. But Kavod Abrios doesn't allow me to go do an Aveira. So in our scenario where you're wearing kalayim, what's wearing kalayim? Sheva al No, it's not. A levisha is a maisa. It's an active 
back. There's a losa saying that I'm wearing kalayim. I'm wearing kalayim. So that's a maisa. So there, Kavad Avrios doesn't allow me to do that type of avera. But Kavad Avrios will allow me to nullify a mitzvah's assay. That's the, 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 the end of the Gemara. So the bottom line is, Kavad Avrios is docha drabanan. Kavad Avrios is docha mitzvah. That's about mamon. Kavad Avrios is even on Isra Vahetar. It's docha something that's about doing something if I won't do it. But it does not have the right to conclude away the Gemara to be docha in action to let me do another. Marry sister or a sister or not marry sister or...